Hello, I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Good morning. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. Coming to you from the Innovation Center at, and at, at Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Yeah. I'm getting that down. You are. Your feedback is good. We, we, uh, We're even going to let you know what the topic is at the front end here. <laughs> yeah, we heard that last time, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Edgar. We, talk, we started talking I, about music and everybody's <laughs> like, what the heck? What am I tuning into here? What is this thing? What? <laughs> as I talk to people and, and I get feedback about the podcast, the one thing they say is that the, 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 the thing they enjoy is the banter. Yes. But that feedback was cut it out and get to the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The rambling, the rambling is, uh, yeah. Oh. So, so after we finished our last podcast, we really, um, you know, to let the audience know what happens here afterwards, we, we kind of, uh, let off our headphones. Jim tells us if we were good or we sucked that day. And then, uh, you know, we, we, Keep going with Thanks, the rambling Jim. conversation. I'm here for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we keep going with the rambling conversation, and it takes us all kinds of places. Um, you know, it takes us, we talk about family, we talk about work, we talk about future, we talk about the world. We talk about all things alignment. All things alignment. All, all things alignment. Because they all are about alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and that's what keeps our conversation going back. But, you know, after the last conversation, um, we kind of threw this idea out that it's a, with all the work we do with, with, with leaders and with businesses, it's a wonder that business even works. Cause, cause what do people do on a daily basis in any business? I, you know, I have young kids and they're asking me like, what do you do when you go to work? I have a million conversations. I listen, I try and, and I try and figure things out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, any time you take a look at uh, what what works in organizations and what's not working, and engagement surveys, and you know, the number one is always communication. You know, we don't communicate enough. Yeah, it's not enough communication. What we have here, what we have here is a failure, failure to, to communicate. communicate. <laughs> there it is. Uh-huh. Uh, and and um, there's a there's a there's a tremendous amount of enterprise out there around communication, everything from difficult conversations to crucial conversations to all kinds of conversations because at the end of the day, you take everything away. That's what business is. We go and at some level we, we converse and it, if it's not one-on-one, if it's not in a personal way, then it's through technology in some shape, form or another we're communicating. Yeah. So what do we do in business and, I mean, how does it function in the first place? It's all about communication in the end, isn't it? And, oh, if it were that simple. And it's, as we all know, it's, it, it is both simple and it's also very complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The complexity of human nature. Uh, as we keep coming back to, business is a human art. It is. Business is the creative expression of human emotion, need, desire, that winds up showing up in our society as a product or service. There you have it. Yeah, I wonder if it's something we... You know, the economic conversations of business make this make this um, more complex because the marketplace is changing. Here we are in the middle 
you know, in the United States, we have uh, the highest inflation we've seen in, in quite some time. Um, but we're not the only ones in the world by, by a far stretch. We have a collection of, of uh, crises that are going on, whether that's uh, war, world hunger, climate crisis. Um, we have a collection of things. I mean, we almost have a, um, you know, a growing perfect storm of things that are happening. We do. My, I was speaking with my, with my brother uh, yesterday over in Germany, and he did a calculation based on the price of gasoline. Um, and we do. Just like everyone else, we, we seem to have a centric view around what it's like to be an American and living in this uh, American um, enterprise, as it is. And then you look at uh, what's going on in different parts of the world. So he did a calculation. He drives, a, a, I think it's a probably a six-cylinder Audi. But he, he started tracking it and did a calculation that it costs him uh, about 60 cents, 60 cents uh, of, of a euro, 60 cents, um, to travel one kilometer. Mm. Wow. So you think about how easily we can travel 30 kilometers or travel, you know, how many miles is that? Quick calculation, Jim? Divide by 2.2, <laughs> 14 and a half. There you go. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not good at the math. I'm not that good at math. But <laughs> so, yeah, you, you start. Uh, and, Jim? Uh, 30 kilometers is 18.6 miles. 18.6 miles. Wasn't too far off. Uh -huh. It was in the right ballpark. Yeah, so you start thinking about what is that the cost of a, of a mile? Uh, man, that's, that's quite a bit. Uh -huh. So here we are. We're in the situation that we're in. And? Well... So we're all, we're all, I mean, situation and context matter. So yeah. ev every employee in an organization is feeling everything that is their own. And I think the weightiness of all of these other things simultaneously. I mean, and so if you think the complexity of being a human being might be the highest it's ever been in history. I mean, it, it's always high. But the complexity now with all of the external influences. Continuously add to our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is of our own making too. I mean, that is a really wonderful it's, point. But, <laughs> but complex nonetheless. Yeah. And, and now you're uh, an employee, a leader in an organization, and you bring all of your complexity, um, the, the, the weight of things. And, I, and, you know, I think this is part of the – this is part of the working crowd right now is they are, they are owning some of this weight beyond their personal. Uh, you know, they are owning the political, the environmental. Uh, they are owning these global crises more than ever before, um, race issues, whatever they may be. And they're coming to work, and now they have to deal with um, everything that the business is doing to try and survive and thrive. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So this is where this question comes from. It's a wonder that business works. Yeah, and then you wonder what what uh, what the efforts of business need to be to to make it work, and where the focus needs to be. And then you start thinking about the different aspects of it. Uh, and we can begin with some basics, which is how do we help people to secure success? And we talked a little bit about this uh, on last week's podcast. 
which is how do we uh, how do we help people to understand the environment that they're working in, the context that they're in, and helping them to understand what the definitions and paths to success are. How well do we do that? We, we can start looking at business and what's the main role of business in terms of teaching. And is there enough teaching going on in business or people being left to learn everything through trial and error, look it up on the internet? There's that aspect of it. Um, uh, and... So, you know, and, and Edgar, I, I agree. I mean, and this was another part of our conversation when we were off air is this idea that it's really difficult to, um, it's really difficult to find someone to teach you something. And so, uh, you know, the work that most of us do on a daily basis, that's not YouTubeable stuff. That's not a go to YouTube and find out how to work in this particular environment for most people. That is, uh, I have to pay close attention to the cues. I have to figure out, you know, not only who I am, but who I'm expected to be. And then I have to listen and pay attention so, so adeptly yeah. to all, all of these things and put them together to be successful until, and that may be trial and error. And again, I mean, this just comes back to that well, same question. If everybody goes into a work situation and has to learn most things through trial and error, how, do, how does it work? I agree. That, that's, I think that has a lot to do with it, that we do have an expectation today because there is so much of what, quote-unquote, learning is taking place is individualized through paths of, you, know, you look at master class, and you, you begin to get this sense that a lot of what the expectation for learning and development is is left to the individual, and that one of the things I think, in, including some of the clients and organizations that we get to work with, one of the key differentiators in the employee experience is the teaching and learning aspect. The, uh, the degree with which an organization's and its leaders focus on the development of their people. And we know that because in the great alignment, the great resignation, or we like to call it the great alignment, what people are really seeking more than ever before is personal development. Everything from increased awareness um, and fundamentally how to succeed in life and how to succeed in their work. And am I getting the skills? Am I getting the development opportunities that help me create a level of fulfillment and I think that's important because having some kind of anchor in today's world and all the complexity, I believe, has a lot to do with the mental health of our employees, yeah. which then brings me back to the idea that at the end of the day, ultimately, so much of the responsibility of mental health of our society is the responsibility of business. Yeah. I, you know, I think, Edgar, you mentioned this idea of, of, of learning on the job and and the responsibility inside the organization to teach. And, and you know, you and I are both in, a, in agreement that at its foundation, the purpose of business really is to help, is to help society learn, um, to help teach. And, I, you know, I think we, we get that so wrapped around the axle when we start talking about profits. I, you know, when we first started this podcast and you and I first started working together and we were dreaming about what this was going to be like, you know, one of the things, and I'll always, I'll push you a little bit on this here and there, but, and I, and I think we should revisit it, frankly, but the organizations that have been exposed to the true alignment framework mm -hmm. have 
improve their financial bottom lines. Yes. But it is not because they went after an improved bottom line. It was because they chose to do development of their people and development of their customer. I mean, the, the one company we're working with now, I mean, we are making educational courses with the intent of them using them with their customers. Right. Um, and so that, that, that purpose of a business teaching mm-hmm. and paying attention to the learning of its customers is primary. And we've, and we've seen so many organizations be successful when they take that approach. I mean, that is the alignment between the customer experience and the employee experience. And it is, and it's one of the ways that you can really accentuate it and make it very obvious as you as you develop your own people and you invite, uh, and this is particularly true in service, it can also apply to any other, uh, any other uh, a former type of organization. But the, the bottom line here is that you're inviting people to uh, not just become more aligned with what you're doing and the purpose of your business and how it's functioning, you're creating an opportunity for shared problem solving, for increasing the level of communication, of creating greater connectivity, greater forms of inclusion, uh, people becoming more familiar with each other. It's just a, uh, it's an aspect as we have continuously moved towards efficiency models that we're forgetting what the source of effectiveness is. And the source of effectiveness is teaching. It's development. It's educating. Is it time for subtlety of, of those things to be done? I say more. Well, you know, I think that this is, uh, you, you, let's say you get hired by a business. Mm-hmm. You have to... Um, you might get an orientation. You might get a welcome. Days later, you're ready to go to do the job. And now you have to figure out really what the organization is about based on the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. The organizations we're working on are making these things less subtle. They're making them more overt, more apparent. They're saying, here's what we do. I mean, you know, in the in the personal and group coaching we do <laughs> this idea that that is part of your work. Um, and we're battling for space and time. We know because we, you know, we just put this one organization's executive leadership team through it for almost two years. And then they said that we got to move this to the next layer down. And one of the struggles they're having is finding time for that next layer to invest in that, in that kind of component. Um, we know that it'll pay dividends in the long run. So it's about becoming less subtle. It's not just here's a nice thing over here to do to make our business successful. It's moving that more central. And making it a main aspect of their part of their, de- their own uh, definition of success. Yeah, so I guess that's where that comment comes from about being less subtle and more, yeah. more overt. Yeah, more overt than bringing it to the forefront in terms of the experience that employees or people in the organization have. Absolutely. Uh, and when you think about le- connecting the dots here, if you think about that, the idea that the number one barrier to innovation and higher levels of effectiveness in organizations is a lack of problem-solving, critical thinking skill among employees, that the idea that people are going to come into your organization 
and through some form of just observing and seeing how things happen, let alone that it's going to take a lot longer and there's going to be trial and error connected to it. How about we teach that? How about we establish processes that allow people to better understand how problem solving and greater levels of design of innovation occur? Um, You know, that interesting idea of what's the right problem that needs to be solved and how can we in our communication be able to identify what that right problem is, to have those kinds of conversations. And then communicate, communicate, communicate. There we are again. (laughs) Always, always. The, um, I wonder if there's a separation here between leadership and management. (laughs) I I mean, I, there is, of course. How things come around generationally is interesting because I recently saw a number of pieces on, uh, online about that. Like, oh yeah, there's a difference between leadership and management and, how quickly, I guess trucker is what, that's about a half a century old now, right? So I, I suppose trucker, it yeah. is time for it to come back around. And, and, <laughs> and let's remind ourselves of this, that there is. That, that there is a difference in the two. Management, I can organize. I can create functionality. And leadership, I, I guide, I teach, I motivate. Yeah. I'm where my mind is going is I'm trying to figure out why why it's going so so vitally wrong in some places, right? I mean, there shouldn't be that distinction that in in leadership you 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 teach and you pay attention to learning of the organization, um, and in management you you organize. I mean, I think that that is the um, you know, I'm watching organizations just move to management functions. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll just be blunt. I think our I think our university is going to reorganize structurally for about the fifth time in the last five or six years. This this is a management. I mean, I don't know that to be true, but it my sense is that's what's coming. Uh, you know, and this is me triangulating information from different different sources and trying to pay attention and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on because I um, manage. <laughs> Right, I have a you know seventeen or so direct reports, and they have all kinds of questions. We don't know the answers yet because communication, because communication, um, and so we're trying to figure this out. But you know that's an organizing factor, that's a management factor. In the absence of a leadership component, and. Again, I'll just come back to the title of this week's. It's a it's a wonder business works, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot of ways to Ooh. to come at this one. One is that I'm going to come back to the idea of, and we talked about this at some point off the air too. Is this idea of um, that we 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 so often we advocate solutions instead of identifying a problem. Uh. We, ask, we ask questions. We have questions with the answers embedded in them, as opposed to inquiring with openness to try and understand what's working and what's not, and where the real problems are that need to be solved. The idea of ongoing structural restructuring, as as historical view on this, is that restructuring efforts very seldom produce real results. 
uh, because all we're doing really is shuffling the deck and we're not creating real change. And so this idea of where is the, where's the real problem that needs to be solved and that's so often what we have to be able to do and this I think has a lot to do with what makes business successful is to look outside of ourselves. Just like uh, as an individual, we need to be able to explore the world around us to understand who we are and create a greater level of awareness around who we are. Business needs to be able to do the same thing. And too often what we do is we internalize the conversation instead of looking externally for, um, for a number of things, including... Um, to better understand what it is we're supposed to be delivering to the world. Yeah. I, that so easily gets lost, I think, so for so many organizations. Um, and, and, and when you are shuffling the deck, as you put it, Edgar, I think that you get a, you get a, a, a numbness, zombie-like feel of some of your employees um, that are just waiting for something to be done to them. Um, and, and I think that's hard. It's really difficult to recover from a constant restructuring, a constant uh, turnover, yeah. um, you know, of leadership and, you know, new ideas. And um, somebody said to me, you know, I just, we just, I mean, part of this restructure is, is me taking on this new department. And, and one of my folks, I'm, I'm spending my time with the 17 of them having about an hour long one-on-one and just, just to listen and find out and, um, figure out what their experience has been and talk about what it can be and, and, and how we get the result we want in the world. And one of them shared with me that said, you know, Ken, this is great. I mean, you have really great ideas, but we've had so many different leaders. Why? Here's what wasn't said. We think this will fail too. So why should I do anything different? And I, you know, that's, that, that was a part for me as a leader that was a real struggle for me. Um, why should we do anything different? I mean, I know, the, I know the financial business results of our organization, and I know them over time. And, and no one would look at them and say, we want that. <laughs> the curve's going the opposite direction of what any business would want. But I, I'm, I'm struggling with this idea of people are a little numb. They're very tired of the change, the constant change. And many folks don't want to do something different than they do today to get a different result. So what do you do then? What, what, what's your advice to a leader then, Edgar? What's the, what's the conversation? I mean, I, I can see I you going. Start, I go ahead. I start with that. Realization, uh, my sense is that um, you've, we've had a lot of changes of leadership. We've, we've, um, we've, had a, we've communicated a lot of different ways to do things or at least uh, uh, tried different things. And um, the sense of that this is, a, this is going to be difficult um, to, um, to manifest real change and that's a concern knowing that that concern exists let's make that part of the conversation and be okay with it to say okay 
that's that's the experience. So knowing that, what do we need to do differently? What do we need to what do we need to change? It's interesting because the metaphor in itself, the this idea of reshuffling the deck. The problem is you've got the same freaking deck of cards in front of you. So sometimes it's kind of like the, the reshuffling <laughs> isn't what we're looking for here. We're looking for a new. We're looking for a different game to play. Yeah. And sometimes it has to be that kind of a approach to it that says we really need to explore whether what we're doing right now and the changes that we've made haven't been real change. We've we've kind of worked around the edges, haven't we? And let's really discover what the right problem is that we need to come after, go after here and think about making some some real change. Yeah. I think the conversation starts with acknowledging and being able to express the fear and concern, being very intentional to say, I want to shift this conversation and take it to a different place, realizing that this is the context we have. This is the experience we've had. Great. We, uh, we accept that. And through accepting it and acknowledging it, we don't repeat it. We move it to a different place. Yeah. And, and then invite people to to that conversation. What do you think is possible? I, and no one's going to want to move with a change unless you make them part of the exploration. Yeah. There's that language again, right? I mean, when the difference between I would argue and I would explore. Yeah, there it is. You know, co-exploration. I mean, I think that's such an, um, you know, there's motivation theory in here and uh, incentives uh, as part of this component. Yeah, we talk about co-design a lot. Mm-hmm. We use that language of co-design. I think the way that you just articulated it right now is really important to recognize that if we're going to do great co-design, we have to engage in co-exploration. That the the idea of, of uh, exploration and possibility has to be front and center part of the conversation. But it's uh, If you don't recognize and really give value to the to the context you're in and, and people's past experiences, um, gaining that kind of trust to listen at that level and gain that kind of trust is difficult to do. And we're reminded that trust has different dimensions and um, to be heard, to be listened to, to be a part of, to, to be invited to exploration in quest of a shared definition of success and to do that openly, uninhibitedly, that's where the best of design, that's where the best of creativity comes into play. Yeah. You know, so uh, so many organizations, I see this absence of those things are done in a very narrow group. And then they, and then somebody's got to take it out and convince the rest of the group because they haven't been engaged. And, and then we, we offer some lip service to this, right? I mean, here's, Again, this idea that it's a wonder business works. I mean, here's what we do. We do a culture survey. We, you know, we figure out what, what we think you want to know. And then we, we, we gloss it with some peanut butter on the surface so it's sticky enough. But then we don't really include you. And so it's somebody's job, whether it's that manager's job, um, to, to get folks to do something. I mean, I, th- I think that's the part that is sticky with me. I mean, that, hence the peanut butter reference is that it is, we are not, I've watched so many leaders declare a, a, a place to go to, 
and expect that somebody else will do the convincing of the employees to go there. <laughs> I, it's such a gap for me, and I, we call it communication. It's more than communication, though, Edgar, right? I mean, it is that inclusion. It is that, it is that nuance and conversation and teaching, right? I mean, and, and, and part of that teaching and learning is um, <laughs> I, I have one colleague, and uh, you know, when we do kind of the retreats that we do with, with organizations, I have one colleague that just is always, well, that was a waste of my time. And, and you know, when I first started doing this kind of work, the, the phrase that always came to my mind is, you know, we're going to do some things in these day-long retreats, in these two-day-long retreats. And the idea is to get the process. There isn't an answer right now. The answer is to lean into the process. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit like kindergarten. Like you just have to play. Right? And it's structured play, but you just have to play so that you can experience the process and all the nuances in the good and the bad that comes back with it. And at the end of the day, this is a lot like working in a business. Is you have to come and play. You have to experience. I mean, and this is the idea that it's a failure to communicate is that's a power-laden directionality in that conversation, but everybody needs to play. Interesting question, because so often you ask if a, ch if a child is resistant to engaging, right? You say, well, what, what, what do you want it to look like? So if somebody says, well, this is a waste of my time, well... Let's talk about that then. What would what would make it a good use of your time? What would that look like? Of course, you may get all kinds of grumbles from that, but really, in a realistic way, what would you like? What would you like it to look like for it to feel and be different? And that in itself is moving towards that exploration. Yeah, let's create a new beginning, a new way of doing something, and I invite you to to the conversation of what that may look like. What does it look like? Interestingly enough, in most cases, when we're working with teams and organizations, then we find our path to what you just mentioned, which is process. So yeah. let's try and do this in a different way. Let, let's, let's play with this a little bit and give ourselves permission to do that, not just coming at it in the same way, just as simple as a great meeting, right? People are always wasting time in meetings, and uh, they sit around the table, and they just have the conversational context going. Well, let's, let's change the process, Let's do some design thinking. Let's 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 come at this differently than we typically do, and engage one another differently. Shift the process, they, they, and then we're back to the whole mindset piece, which is the mindset is not going to change until the experience changes. So a lot of this is also, and this in particular is something that we work on with leaders, is to know understand the value of process. That when you shift a process, you change an experience. When you change an experience, you change the emotional response. And once you have that, now people begin to have a different way of looking at it, a different is that, mindset. Is that the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, to change the experience? I I don't know. if I, I wouldn't say, to say that that's the pot. That may, that's probably the front end of the rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. Change the experience. I, th I think the pot of gold is is always uh, 
uh, well, yeah, you can layer that because the pot of gold could be, oh, we got the right problem to solve. We changed the experience, so we really discovered what it is that we have to we have to get after and change. Um, and, of course, you could take that further and say, well, there's a solution, and we manifest a solution. Then I, I think the idea of the rainbow needs to, I guess you, now you're going to build a second rainbow and a third rainbow because every time you, you prototype, you create a solution, you're going to find yourself on a quest to find a better solution or, or dig in deeper and find a better way to do things. The, um, uh, Jim, I'm looking at you. You're going to have to start keeping a, a tally of which movie reference we use in each week because I'm not 100% sure whether uh, I use this one Wizard or not. Of Oz? No, no, that would be an easy one, right? Somewhere. <laughs> the um, I'm going to use the movie Colors, which is 80s, somewhere in the 80s. I'm too young for that. Yep, yep. Um, but so the, the, it's in the 80s. Uh, L.A. Uh, gangs and drug drug wars are all going on, and there's a, a, a brand-new young cop that has come out of the academy played by Sean Penn. And there's a uh, an older cop played by Robert Duvall, mm-hmm. and and they are um, in the middle of of everything that's going on. Um, Sean Penn's out of the academy, and he wants to he wants to arrest anybody that's got drugs, talking about drugs, selling drugs, right? And, and Robert Duvall is um, he's that definition of community policing. He is making relationships with all the people in the community. And that's, uh, you know, anybody that spends enough time with me, they will hear me tell the, the old bull, young bull story that comes from that, you know, that fable was told to me the first time from that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, where the older cop played by Robert Duvall says to the younger cop by, uh, you know, says, um, he tells him the story and I have to figure out how to make this a, a, a nice, nice words, right? But he talks about two two bulls on the top of the hill overlooking a field full of cows. And and the young bull says, let's go down there and get one of them. And the old bull says, no, uh, let's run down there and get one of them. And the old bull says, no, let's walk down there and get them all. And so there's a, there's a patience in that story. And I, I've said this all the time because there's sometimes a seemingly simple fix, restructuring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reshuffling the deck, as we said. But... But the old bull part is a patience. It's to go back to the relationships. It's to go back to the learning kind of components, right? I mean, uh, the one conversation we were having off air that a business is kind of like a human kite, that everybody's connected and you're flying in the wind. And sometimes the answer from leadership is just hold on tighter um, when the winds pick up, right? But the reality is that doesn't always work. So there's a patience. There's a patience in here. Yeah. And then the idea of that, uh, the, the old adage is you have to sometimes be very conscious to slow down before you can speed it up and be able to, to, to take the time. And, to, and then we start thinking about better communication. We start thinking about taking the time. Yeah. Time is such a precious part of our lives. There's such a deep, deep value associated with it, and um, and and the realization is that the quality of the time is is not a matter of how we how quickly we 
we apply ourselves to quality of time is how deeply yeah. and richly we we um, we use it. There's a startup phrase, right? I mean, slow down to go fast. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's just not a, you know, in in business we are we are. <laughs> I, I just real quickly I'm reminded of a group where the leader said said we we don't need to take a time for this conversation. I already know the answer. <laughs> and, we, and we slowed him down. We said, wait a time out. Let's just trust in the process a little bit and let's do this. And then 15 minutes later, it's like, oh my god, I would have never come up with this on my own. And yeah, uh huh, okay, got it, get it. And so, yeah, this idea of that the uh, quality quality of how we use time is so important. It's not always about speed. Hmm. We can do a twofer with a movie reference this week. Uh oh, dangerous territory. <laughs> <laughs> um. The movie Wally. Wizard of Oz. Oh, <laughs> you really want the Wizard of Oz in there, right? Um, Wally. Uh, you remember this one? Uh, this is I don't know how old this one is now. Maybe fifteen years. I I have no idea. Um, it's a little bit older now, but um, you know it's the story of one one machine with human characteristics left on Earth, right? And they have shipped everybody up to these uh, flying ships in space, and they have. Um, I don't know what they've done to them, but they've softened them in such a way that they're all kind of floating in their easy chairs and drinks and food are being delivered to them. And they kind of forget that they're capable of things until they start to question. Right. And I, and I think some organizations are when you, when you manage everything, you've made everything kind of that floating easy chair and sometimes people forget that they're capable of things. And so when you hit, I don't know what the analogy is here, we're mixing all kinds of things. When you hit rough waters, high winds, and your business needs to make a change, and your people have forgotten or can no longer learn what they're capable of, you know, I think the business is going to struggle. And that's, you know, to our earlier point that a, that a business must be about teaching and learning. Yeah, constant. It is the state of constant exploration, in whatever form it takes. Yeah, that, that becomes the key. The old change management philosophies about getting people to commit to a change and then moving to that, and you see them. Uh, the only, from what I can tell, the real goal of leadership is to engage people in exploration, exploration, learn, apply, do it again. Yeah. Just right. keep at it. Excuse me. And what I've heard you guys say in the last two episodes is to find the empathy to support the learners and the teachers, both, to solve the problems. Yeah, you can't just you can't just tell people, right? I mean, I think that this is the um, you know having worked for the American military, I, I remember uh, people always saying to me that, well, that's a different situation because somebody can tell somebody else what to do. <laughs> And it, it was, I mean, literally, I I'm sorry. Go ahead. the general could walk in one day and tell us all what to do. I mean, that was, that was a real thing, yeah. um, you know, but that's the nuclear option, <laughs> right? I mean, because that, you know, that trick that it's not a trick because you can learn how to do it, but you have to learn how to do it through listening and, and, and slowing down, but you, <laughs> you have to. You have to pay attention to people so they want to do it, right? I mean, there's always like the 
the Martian mind meld there um, from the leader of listening, you'll typically get the result you're looking for. I don't think there's a there's a any episode of this <laughs> of this podcast that doesn't in some shape form or another um, land somewhere on listening. We we always inevitably we're going to touch on that just about every uh, every every conversation that we have, and inquiry and listening is the path to exploration. Yeah, that's the in, inquiry. That's part of the invitation. Yeah, so much so. Speaking of invitation, I th- I think we need to have more guests on because I think we need to start a conversation, a bigger conversation about how people are doing the inquiry and how people are doing the listening um, and figuring out how it's working. So if you're, uh, if you're a, a listener of this podcast and you'd like to become part of the conversation, let us know. And uh, we welcome any and all to the conversation here, um, as always, because your thoughts, your ideas, your comments, your questions are always welcome. And uh, if you'd like to participate on the air with us, more than welcome to. Just, uh, yeah, let us know that you're yep. interested in doing so. Uh, reach out, info at truealignment.com. Yeah, that'll work. Or and ask for Jim. Ask for Jim. I'll get you in touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> hey, I got friends. <laughs> hey, so with that, uh, we're, we're uh, speaking of time, we've been given the uh, signal by Jim that we are out of time. <laughs> uh, thank you all out there for uh, for... Uh, for listening, for being part of the True Alignment podcast. And um, we look forward to uh, hearing from you, and uh, we'll see you next time around on True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much.